0: You ever wondered what hypnosis might be and what it can do for you? You've come to the right place. Welcome to Hypnosis Everywhere with your host, Inez Simpson. This is the show that talks to everyone, from the experienced practitioner to the cautiously curious, and yes, even the skeptics. Now, here's Inez Simpson.
1: Well, welcome to Hypnosis Everywhere, and happy Valentine's Day. And this is Inez Simpson, of course, and Martin Gover's with me. Happy Valentine's Day. Valentine's Day, Martin. Happy Valentine's Day everywhere. (laughs) So we are, of course, having a Valentine's Day show, and I have one of my friends on the line who is Dr. Frederick Mao, and we're going to talk about the stories we tell ourselves. Now, I'm not going to take up too much time because this guy is fun, and he has a lot of stuff to tell us. He's always, I, I see him at all conventions, this is how I know all these people, because we are teaching at the same time. And I have listened to this man very many times, and I enjoy his talking and his jokes. He has a great sense of humor. And so welcome, Dr. Frederick Mao.
2: Hi, Amanda. Thanks for having me on the show. It's, uh, with Valentine's Day, I guess we'll have to talk love stories or something like that.
1: Well, something good like that. So maybe just tell them a little bit about yourself and then just take off and do what you like.
2: Um, I am a, uh, I'm a licensed professional counselor and a national certified counselor in the United States. I, um, I'm also board certified hypnotherapist. I speak at a few conferences here and there and very happy to have you as my friend. I usually am treating things like stress, anxiety, depression, stuff like that. Although, you know, people who are lovelorn wander through here from time to time. Um, (laughs) that's a little bit about me in the practice.
1: That's great. So let us know lo- know a little bit about the lovelorn.
2: Um, well, you know, if you think about it, uh, there are people that will come in. Usually, this is someone who's uh, uh, they've had a breakup, but they were like the breakup e, they weren't the breakup err. and they're still kind of emotionally stuck on the other person. So you're still sort of feeling like you're in it with that um, with that relationship with someone else, and yet the, you know the relationship really is not there. And so we end up um, having to kind of disentangle that and work our way through it. I think hypnosis is really um, good for that because I really see hypnosis as a, a process of emotional change. And I think the power of it um, is that it is about emotion. So the the main idea that I have as I work with people is that um, emotion drives behavior. Um, stories frame emotion and create meaning. And love stories are very, very powerful emotional stories that become um, a part of who you are. When I say emotion drives behavior, that's really different from a lot of approaches to counseling and therapy. Um, most of most of our approaches to therapy are about thinking about things differently. Hypnosis is really not that. Hypnosis is really getting at things on a, an entirely other level. So that's a little bit to start out with. What you think?
1: I think that's lovely. We're on the same page. And I think it's all about feeling and emotion.
2: Yeah, I mean, as I've kind of looked at it, um, one of the things you sent me when I looked at your little email here, you, I'm an Ericksonian hypnosis. So working from the, the model of Milton Erickson, who was all about, um, story, metaphor, um, helping people to create changes by seeing their lives, um, differently in new ways. Um, you, one of the things you asked me was, well, what is hypnosis? And, uh, you know, I think hypnosis in a lot of ways is a state of greater emotional. Um, engagement. In fact, a lot of times, just talk about um, the unconscious mind or the subconscious mind, and I know the uh, the almond folks have technical differences between those two things. Um, one is about body experience, but I really have come to think of um, of that language as sort of a little bit dated. That really, what we're talking about is the emotional side, and we're really talking about um, engagement, more engagement by the limbic structures of the brain. Um, when you when you have someone and you're working with them with hypnosis, basically what you've got is sort of a, a deactivation of the frontal lobe. So that's the the part of your brain that has that little voice in your head that you think of as you. Um, and you should really just have one of those little voices. But if you if you have more, let me know and we'll you know that that'll be interesting to talk about. <laughs> um, but more of an activation of of limbic structures like your. Um, um, your anterior cingulate cortex, the amygdala, the hypothalamus, the portions of the brain that drive um, stress, emotion, anxiety that um, cover things like um, uh, sleep, heartbeat, um, obviously sex drive, things like that. Um, more engagement by those limbic structures and then also by the, the prefrontal cortex, which is a little executive control region right at the front of your skull. So when you, when you think about, in, in your question here, you had the, the idea, is it everywhere and all the time, hypnosis? I don't think so. I think most of the time we're kind of operating in sort of a narrow emotional range where everything is sort of calm and settled down and more or less we're sort of thinking things through, that the opportunity for change comes up when we get outside that emotional band, that narrow band in the middle with hypnosis you're usually getting someone down into a very relaxed state. it can also be the other end where you're really up and going and so forth but when we get out of emotional comfort we're we end up in a place where change is um, is possible new stories seem like they can happen and I think that gets involved with when we fall in love you know your body does a lot of things that activate where um, you know you begin to see yourself differently and see other people around you differently
1: well, and when you're in love, that's definitely deep hypnosis. Well,
2: I mean, you know... <laughs> I'm I being
1: like funny it. But it, well, I, on one uh, end, but I'm just being funny on one end, but it, um, typically sometimes, especially those first two years of love and the, what we call the honeymoon stage, I think a lot of it is, and it's wonderful hypnosis at that time, isn't it?
2: Well, it's a wonderful effect, whatever it is. I mean, that the, the front end um, of a relationship feels, you know, really, really good. But there's also a lot to be said for, a, you know, a long-term relationship where you get to know someone very intimately and very well. And, you know, you get kind of that, um, that emotional resonance and that, um, that pairing up that goes on. Uh, you know, the, it's sort of interesting um, when you look at some of the neuroimaging studies, someone asked a question, what happens if we hook two people to, uh, to fMRI at the same time, have them have a conversation with each other? And what you find is, you know, you've had one of those conversations where you're just talking with the other person, you're like locked in and you're engaged and everything really is just flowing great. And what you see on the neuroimaging is the brainwave patterns actually begin to melt uh, to match up with each other. It's like a, it's like a mind meld. Um, mm-hmm. And then of course you you know you've had those conversations. Well, you you've probably never had one of these uh, where you're you know you're talking to the other person and like you're just not syncing up and you don't get each other's jokes and you, you're just really not catching what's going on with each other. The sort of normal conversations I have with women. Um, and what you see on the neuroimaging and those is, you know, our brain patterns are not the same, we're not linking up. So, you know, knowing knowing someone for a while and being able to get um, you know, kind of that, that deep matching, that deep, that mutual tuning, that deep connection um, that comes not just cognitively but emotionally is is really wonderful. I agree.
1: So, I would like to have a little bit of stories of what you really wanted to direct at this love stories and the stories we tell ourselves.
2: What um, was love stories and the stories that we tell ourselves? A lot of times, um, I mean, stories that, that frame behavior, that frame meaning, when you think about any kind of emotional change, it's about, a sudden shift in meaning where you're able to step outside yourself and you kind of see things differently from another perspective. Um, and, and everything just kind of clicks and goes in a different way. A lot of times we think that change is the result of a, uh, you know, kind of a long period of time where you're really working on something, but emotional change is never like that. It's sudden and it just tends to click and it kind of goes in a different direction. And, um, happens very suddenly and falling in love i think is um is a perfect example of that there are a couple of uh, uh italian neuroscientists back in uh in 2010 um that looked at what happened with um, romantic love and sexual desire and they were looking at like 12 different brain areas that got activated with dopamine and oxytocin and adrenaline and stuff and, you know, the headlines of the time where it takes, you know, 0.2 seconds or one fifth of a second um, to fall in love. And I think, you know, that, that really is about right. You can be working with someone um, creating any kind of emotional change and there's a moment where you sort of feel like that connection, you can feel something emotional that's happening and then it just kind of clicks and the person sees themselves differently. And I think that we do have that kind of effect that can happen where there can be someone you're, you know, you're getting to get know, you've maybe been with a while, you sort of know different information about them, and then all of a sudden you're like, I love you. Did I love you yesterday? I don't know. I think I probably did, but I know I love you now. And it's kind of that click that just sort of, of goes into place. And, of course, it can go the other way, too. You know, someone can be like, wait a minute, why am I with you? Things click the other way. And, and you know, they want to... Um, they want to carry it in a different direction. Um, but I think falling in love is, is not just a good metaphor for, um, other kinds of emotional change, but really is an illustration of what emotional change looks like. It's big. It's meaningful. It's fast. It profoundly affects your life and how you see yourself and other people. Um, it, it is not cognitive. It's happening at some kind of a gut visceral emotional level. Um, and it profoundly changes the way you look at everything.
1: Well, I have to say for Martin and me, it definitely was the first date <laughs> and the click happened very quickly.
2: <laughs> well, I mean, I can, I can see how that would happen. I mean, especially with you, Ines, um, you know, one of the, there are things that go on with this, that kind of, of throw everything. I mean, um, very nice studies back in 2009 that found that um, when men were interacting with women that they regarded as attractive, um, it had a significant effect of impairing their cognitive ability. Uh, so if you have guys out there that are like, "I can't think well when pretty women are around," um, that, that actually seems to be um, that actually seems to be true. Um an earlier study than that back in two thousand four found that um when men were interacting with, with women again that they consider to be attractive, they had a tendency to, to uh discount the future and um sort of seek immediate gain rather than, you know, think about long term consequences yeah. and how things could go, you know, over the long haul. So um So So I can see so maybe- have that effect. Yeah,
1: so maybe just round up and take a moment just to round that all up, and then we'll go to break.
2: Well, and there are also things that happen with uh, with women that don't happen with men, as far as those uh, those uh, engagement hormones. But we can talk about more of this as we get back. I hope you're enjoying the conversation. We sure
1: are. So we'll go to break, and we'll come back with Dr. Frederick Mau. <laughs>
3: Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America.
0: We know lasers are in use in almost every aspect of the medical profession these days. Now there's a powerful, unique, and safe laser you can use at home. Quantum Scalar Wave Lasers using Tesla technology allow the body to do what it does best, heal itself. Scalar wave lasers work down to the cellular level and can even reset cellular memory for outstanding outcomes. The quantum lasers use three different wavelengths in one laser for optimum results. It's government-approved and safe for home use. For more information, visit Simpson Protocol slash lasers or click the banner on this show's webpage. Hi, NS
1: Simpson here. I get a lot of questions about the best way to learn hypnosis. My advice after many years of being a hypnotist and training hypnotist is get your first training live, getting class with a qualified trainer. Practicing in class gives you so much confidence and practicing is the key. I teach live hypnosis and advanced hypnosis training throughout the year. And you can check my website at InezSimpson.com and feel free to email me if you need recommendations.
0: To Hypnosis Everywhere, the Simpson Protocol. To reach the show today, please call into 1 866 472 5792. That's 1 866 472 5792. You may also send an email to Inez, that's INES, at InezSimpson.com. Now, back to this week's program.
1: Well, welcome back to Hypnosis Everywhere and Dr. Frederick Mao. And I'm just going to ask. Um, One thing I'd really like to do, because we really have done a lot of shows that are from the Elman standpoint, and you are much more from the Ericksonian standpoint, and even though you and I agree on most things, and that's what I'm trying to get across to people, that it doesn't matter where we're from, how we think, uh, on personal levels, and the style of hypnosis we use, hypnosis is hypnosis. uh, and it works with emotion, etc. But I'd like you just to maybe give me a little bit more information about the Erickson side of hypnosis.
2: Uh, Milton Erickson was a physician and a hypnotist back in the uh, um, the 1950s and 60s. Uh, he was a true giant in the field of psychology. He, his name belongs on the list with people um, like Freud, Skinner, and Rogers. Um, He operated at that level. He created at least three different approaches to therapy, um, not even counting Ericksonian hypnosis. Um, The the man was a giant in the history of psychotherapy. The key idea that Erickson had is that your um, unconscious mind is a vast warehouse of positive resources and itself um, a strong positive motive force for change. At the time where he was writing um, and working, the prevalent theory was still freudian psychoanalysis and you know sigmund freud basically said that the unconscious was a festering uh, a, boy, a bubbling cauldron of sex and death wishes um which you know pretty much meant he was probably great as like at parties like freud would probably have been really fun at parties but but as a therapist that that probably wouldn't have worked so well for you um, and so people looked at Erickson like, you know, he was from the other side of Mars or something because that notion that the unconscious is a powerful motive force for change in a positive direction was, was the world stood on its head. The other thing about Erickson is, you know, he really is about, um, metaphors, the stories that we tell ourselves, metaphors being a way to look at, to look at ourselves in the world differently. Um, Really, we tell ourselves stories that give our lives meaning. We emphasize certain things. We deemphasize others. Um, When you tell yourself a different story, you become a different you. And I'll I'll give an example. Um, You asked me in the break about fast change, rapid change. I had a client a couple of years ago who was in her 60s, and she started, she let me know that when she was in her 20s, um, she had been anorexic. That was not what we were working on. Um, But I immediately noticed, because I'm a qualified mental health professional, that she was not dead. And so I asked her um, what happened with that. Because, you know, we knew about anorexia 40 years ago, but we weren't particularly good at, at treating it. And she described being in a big city like New York, walking down the street with a friend of hers. And she said, I saw my friend's reflection in the window of a building. And I thought, oh, my God, she looks like a ghoul. And then I realized it was me and I couldn't be that and it was never a problem again. Now other than the fact that the woman actually used the word ghoul in conversation, which seemed like really bizarre to me, that is a perfect example of emotional change. Like she didn't learn anything new about eating or health or stress or anxiety, didn't learn anything new about anorexia, but she she called that vision of herself. And what we know is that the the portion of the brain that Processes visual field in whole and in part is immediately next to the part of the brain that processes mirror neurons, the part of us that picks up on the emotional connection of others, facial expression, vocal tone, body language. Mirror neuron system highly implicated in romantic love. It's totally tied in with that. And that is an example of a really fast, rapid change. And you notice it's not cognitive. We tell ourselves stories our bodies feel our stories and the way that we feel the stories in the body, it, it, it is just huge. And there were actually a couple of studies back in the seventies and eighties where they, they wanted to know, well, can we create intimacy between people in an experiment, um, by having eye contact. And so, you know, what they found is that, um, most people in conversation have eye contact 30 to 60% of the time couples in love look at each other about 75% of the time and they're very much slower to break eye contact and if you sit and you look at people like one uh, one uh, researcher a guy named Aaron um, has his 36 questions that lead to love and if they're great questions if you want them if you just Google 36 questions that lead to love and it's a, there's a New York Times article that'll come up that has the questions He would have people answer the questions and then just stare at each other's eyes for, like, three minutes after each block of questions. And, I mean, he had people that were dating each other after the experiment because that eye contact, that that connection, that body connection just clicks things and things go differently. So, you know, I don't think it – it really is about – story, body, the way we feel ourselves, the way we see ourselves, um, the stories we agreed to, to tell ourselves. And I think Erisonianism is very powerful because it gets into that. It gets into providing you an opportunity to step outside yourself for a moment, to see yourself in a different way from another perspective, to think about different realities and different possibilities. It's a, it's a profoundly postmodern approach, and it allows people to create stories that are very healing and beneficial where you move forward. I, um, I, uh, I love my European colleagues, and they're always going on about regression to cause, and regression is a great hypnotic <laughs> process for clearing up a problem, but it doesn't do a whole lot to build a solution. You know, you have to put something else in place. There's got to be another story. There has to be a different way to see myself when things are off the rails, I have to become a different person. And when you tell yourself a different story, you become a different you. And so the woman in the window, when she realized it's me that looks like a ghoul, she couldn't be that anymore. There was that moment of body confusion and feeling and something clicked and it changed. And she saw herself differently and the anorexia went away. And I think that kind of process that shift in meaning can be created in a session like that's what we're going for what do you think
1: i think that's profound and i also think you know with the regression to cause they find out what it is and yes they do have to change it that doesn't do any good just to find that out you have to continue and change the story you're right
2: And I know better than that. I know some of my European colleagues are listening to me, and they're going to be going, no, 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 we do more than that. And I know they do. It is a great process that they do. But it's not (laughs) just regression. It
1: turns into the changing of a story. That's right. It does. You're right. And the changing of the story can change in the blink of an eye, just like you just said about the ghoul story, right? In the blink of an an eye, life can change.
2: This was a guy that um, a friend of mine's father – had been smoking for 75 years. And he woke up one morning he smelled stale cigarette smoke and he said, That's things I don't think. And he never picked them up again.
4: He didn't think anything it's new about
2: tobacco. I mean, he has been smoking for 75 years. He had smelled stale smoke before. But something hits at an emotional, visceral gut level and change
1: happens. And it's That's always what we're going deep. For with our clients. It's a, it's a deep effect because. It's not just a cognitive. It stinks. I know it stinks. <coughs> Excuse me. Mm-hmm. So it is, like you say, a very deep change very quickly. And, you know, my own father did the same thing. He smoked for, I don't know, forever, and he smoked three packs a day, and in one day he was a non-smoker. Yeah. So, you know, yeah, and those happened. those changes can different. happen very quickly.
2: When you look at falling in love, I mean, there's a lot of, of body that's engaged with that. I mean, the, the the Italian study I mentioned earlier from 2010, they looked at different kinds of love. And when you when you neuroimage like a mom with a child, you get a lot of activity in the midbrain. When you neuroimage a couple that's involved in, in you know a hot and heavy romance, what you get is a lot of activation in Well, I mean, there are 12 different brain areas, but we're really looking at, um, you know, reward areas. The reward structures of the brain are the ones that are, that are getting involved and getting going. So we have, you know, this concept of love, but there are all kinds of different sorts of love and they really do involve, um, different kinds of feelings. And I think they feel different in the body as well. Um the way we engage with other people around us.
1: I agree. And, um, you know, love is very strong on different levels. I know as a mother, the way I feel about my kids and the way I feel about Martin is totally different. And I don't even know what part of the brain it's starting, but I know that they're different. And they're both equally strong.
2: They also have to do with, you know, with, with story and narrative in the way we see ourselves. I mean, I, I, I've known my children their entire lives, obviously. And I have certain (laughs) stories about them and commitment to them. And I see them in a certain way that I don't share those stories with anybody else. Like I don't, I don't, there's no one else in the world that I see in the way that I see my three children. Um, my wife and I, we have our narratives together. We have our stories together that we've shared. Um, she is unique and special and beautiful, uh, and very different. And that's, that's a different story. Um, there are, um, you know, other people that are friends and acquaintances and stuff like that each have kind of their different stories. Um, my mother is, uh, is still with us and I, I have a great deal of love for her. But all of these things are different. Some of those things would be love, my wife, my children, my mother. Some of them I wouldn't call love, but there's affection, commitment, um, friendship. Okay. Um, and and it reg- Sorry, I'm just going to have to cut go,
1: going to break again. Frederick, I don't believe it goes so fast, but we'll come back and finish talking. I to. He- I want to just continue that conversation. Okay, so see all you right. on the other side.
3: Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. We know lasers are in use in almost every
0: aspect of the medical profession these days. Now there's a powerful, unique, and safe laser you can use at home. Quantum Scalar Wave Lasers using Tesla technology allow the body to do what it does best, heal itself. Scalar wave lasers work down to the cellular level and can even reset cellular memory for outstanding outcomes. The quantum lasers use three different wavelengths in one laser for optimum results. It's government-approved and safe for home use. For more information, visit Simpson Protocol slash lasers or click the banner on this show's webpage. Hi, and Simpson here.
1: I get a lot of questions about the best way to learn hypnosis. My advice after many years of being a hypnotist and training hypnotists, is get your first training live, getting class with a qualified trainer, practicing in class gives you so much confidence and practicing is the key. I teach live hypnosis and advanced hypnosis training throughout the year. And you can check my website at InezSimpson.com and feel free to email me if you need
2: recommendations.
4: The Voice America Live Events channel is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit voiceamerica.com forward slash live events
0: Listening to Hypnosis Everywhere, The Simpson Protocol. To reach the show today, please call into 1 866 472 5792. That's 1 866 472 5792. You may also send an email to Inez, that's I N E S, at InezSimpson.com. Now, back to this week's program.
1: Welcome back to Hypnosis Everywhere and Dr. Frederick Mao. And without too much, I don't want to waste too much time. Uh, I'd like to get back to Frederick. I want to ask him some things about what he, what's coming up for him. And I know he has a few books out because I have a couple. So, Frederick, can you tell us a little bit about that, please?
2: Oh, thank you very much. I know that I appreciate that. I've got a book called Emotion, the Power of Change, a Science-Based Approach to Ericksonian Hypnosis and another book called A Different Reality, which is really a hypnosis protocol for, um, for treating stress and anxiety disorders. They're both on Amazon and they're great. Right now, I'm putting together a certification for relaxation-based pain relief. Um, back last year, Valentine's Day last year, the American College of Physicians came out with new empirical-based clinical recommendations to use these sorts of processes, relaxation-based processes, as a first-line treatment for pain rather than opioids. Um, that follows a recommendation by the National Institutes of Health back in 1995. And I feel like um, counselors need to, and uh, professional health workers need to know how to use these processes to um, to create pain alleviation. I'm speaking um, soon at a couple of counseling conferences here in uh, South Carolina, uh, the South Carolina Counseling Association. But I think the next time I might see you would be um, maybe at the, uh, the International Association of Counselors and Therapists Hypnosis Conference in Daytona in May, possibly the National Guild of Hypnotists uh, outside of Boston in August. Um, I'll be at Hypnothoughts in August in Las Vegas. And then I, I'm, I'm very much looking forward to um, speaking at the, uh, the, the Hypnose Congress in Zurich, Switzerland in October and the UK Hypnosis Convention um, in November. Oh, and I almost forgot, I just found out yesterday I've been invited to speak again at a, uh, a major regional psychiatric conference, which is really nice, the, uh, the Southeastern Symposium on Mental Health, and that's coming up in a couple of months. So, busy schedule ahead, a lot of seeing clients. Um, the goal is always to help people create those changes, and the change that I talked about with the woman who saw her reflection in the mirror or in the uh, the window, that's what we're working on on creating when we're working with people hypnotically here in the office to take people into a different state where there's more emotional engagement, less cognitive thought clouding things up, and to work with people at their emotional level so they get that click and that change. They're able to see themselves differently, tell themselves a different story into a different reality become a different person um, so there you go well,
1: that's awesome
2: yeah. that was a lot <laughs> of stuff I hope that was good. You have, uh, really
1: good you're good at that boom, 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 all the information well, came across
2: apparently I've run through it too quickly but I, I'll tell you that uh, you know as, as, uh, as a sign of the south down here we're usually accused of speaking too slowly. <laughs> so um, so I'm happy to get it in and get it done. I, I'm really appreciative of you having me in for this one. I think um, love is a perfect illustration of emotional change. It's sudden. It changes your life. You see yourself and other people very, very differently. That's the kind of change we're after when we're helping someone, um, you know, get rid of their stress, get rid of their anxiety, get rid of their depression, uh, get rid of their tics or their Tourette's or uh, the, all of these things that we work on clinically with people, the solution is not thinking about it differently. It's feeling different at a gut, totally. visceral level. And the brain responds differently in relaxation than it does in waking state. And I think that is the, the key, that we're able to take advantage of that different response To help people truly create something different in their lives, um, a different story, a different narrative, something that you even feel in your body. I treat a lot of conversion disorders where people have, you know, body effects from these emotional things that have happened. And we rework that if we're working on sexual issues. Um, you know, a lot of body engagement is involved with that. This is a great process for re- reworking those experiences. So hypnosis is, a, is not just a process that helps me kind of rethink things because it's pretty easy to rethink things. And a lot of times people that have experienced something like a trauma will say, well, you know, I've, I've dealt with that and moved on past it. When It's <laughs> obvious that they've like, talked about it or cognitively thought about it but emotionally, it's still sitting out there and just creating yeah. havoc. And this I think is that's a process that operates differently.
1: <clears throat> it's always one of the things we hear the most. I thought I dealt with that <laughs> because it was yeah. on a cognitive level only before. Yes.
2: Yeah, but just because they thought about it differently doesn't mean that their body feels different or that their no. emotions are different about it. And and the processes we do, whether it's an element process or the Simpson protocol is a beautiful process. I've seen you do that. Um, our regression to cause friends over in Europe using Ericksonian metaphors. These are all processes for uh, helping the person to be different, feel different, not just think differently. That well, was I, a want thank, a different
1: I want to thank you for being with us, Frederick. And I always enjoy it. And I always say to people, and and especially out here listening to me, if you are li- interested in hypnosis and you're not a hypnotist yet, you can go to a hypnosis convention and hear wonderful people like Frederick. So you could see him across the country because, you Martin will have his uh, all his information there. You can go to his website. I'm sure he keeps all that stuff out. So really,
2: Mhm.
1: Yeah. So all that information will be down there on Hypnosis Everywhere page and on the on the show page. So thanks again, Freder, for joining us and giving us this great show on love and just change, emotional change. Thank you so much. Thank you, Ines. And we'll see you soon along the road on somewhere there, maybe in Europe, but we'll see you somewhere.
2: Thank you.
1: Okay. See you again okay Martin we have to uh, talk a little bit about that because I think that was just the greatest it was a very good show and I really liked the whole thing about the the instant change in that moment in the in the window that was really a good story so uh, what did you you are telling me that I needed to have a commercial break
5: no no no, no that was That's later. Oh, that's later. later.
1: He means about myself. it gets in the rehearsal what
5: we're doing. Oh, okay. But what's interesting, I think, um, with uh, Frederick, when the Ericksonian stuff is, Erickson, you and I both agree, he's an amazing person. Yes. If listeners haven't heard of him, go check him out, it's easy to see on Google, it's on the internet. But he is... What was interesting in reading about him is that he's a lot like your approach to hypnosis, although you say your are style, in that he believed that we go in and out of hypnosis, sorry, Frederick, that we go in and out of hypnosis all the time, mm-hmm. and that you can't, that you're always communicating something, because That's he was right. the guy that stu- did tremendous studies. But um, and Frederick talked about uh, Freud and uh, the difference between Freud and, and Erickson. But the big difference also was that Erickson believed you weren't a doctor patient. It wasn't an adversarial or I'm in charge and you're not in charge relationship. It was a teamwork. They yeah. were both working t- towards an outcome.
1: And that's the way I see working with a client. It's always because the client's always in charge of their change. So it is more of a teamwork and that's what we're always talking about.
5: And I think it was funny that uh, when you're doing your Simpson Protocol, and you're in the class, and the class always says, uh, When you were doing the demo, and it's, uh, it looked like you were out of, did you go into trance? And Erickson <laughs> said he was almost always putting himself in trance to, to work with yes. his client.
1: I think, and you naturally go into that state. It's just remember what, what, what Frederick talked about the mm-hmm. brain synchronizing mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. being on the same. Exactly. So when the connection happens, you are. But if you put yourself on purpose into there, it happens much easier and quicker, I think. Uh, Very true. And I think Erickson was a unique human being, and he was one of the best. Mm -hmm. So, really look him up, read read some of his history. He had polio when he was young, and, and, and it just goes on and on. And he had so much... Time to learn how people function because he himself could not move well, very much.
5: He took the time rather than well, just wallowing in the grief and pain or whatever. <laughs> but stories, as, as uh, Fred was saying about the girl in the window, which is a great mm-hmm. story. I think people take that and think about it. Mm-hmm. But Erickson would do things like that. He was in a hospital and he had um, <clears throat> people who believed they were in Jesus, who are Jesus. I mean, the, we are Jesus. I am Jesus. There's two of them believed in the same <laughs> hospital, and everybody's kind of freaking out a bit. So he said, "Well, this, why don't you guys get together and talk about yours? You must have similar pasts and similar things to talk about." And the two of them talked to each other and thought, "You're an idiot to believe <laughs> that." And just conf- confronting, uh, as Eric, as as uh, Frederick said, you know, seeing something in the mirror or seeing something in the glass just shook them. Just uh, without any big. Uh, therapy going on. They did it themselves. Yep. Or the other one, there's another Jesus there and uh, they couldn't get him to do anything except sit around and just prophesizing and doing whatever and don't talk to me, I'm Jesus. So then one day the hospital wing was being renovated and Erickson went to him and said, you're Jesus, right? And he goes, yeah, well, you're a good carpenter. We know that. So go help these guys do work on this wing. And he did because he couldn't, get, couldn't refuse to do it. But then that fact of doing something physical that was, took him a little bit out of it it, it change. In that change. moment,
1: the change happened, right? Mm-hmm. Very awesome. awesome. Yeah.
5: And the other thing I think that uh, you and Erickson uh, agree on is that Erickson always believed, as I think as Frederick said about the unconscious, mm-hmm. Erickson's thought of the unconscious, there is something inside of you that knows yes. what is good. And you just have to tap that
1: yeah and we all have different words for it And like Fred was say you know we call it subconscious unconscious whatever uh, and it's sort of like Martin always calls them code words and each person each line of hypnosis every part, person's different styles of hypnosis we all have different words for everything and it's just a code word so We're just going to go to a break in a very short time. Anything you want to say before we go, Martin? Anything to tie it up? Okay, we're going to break, and we'll be back for the last nine minutes. Thanks.
3: Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America.
0: We know lasers are in use in almost every aspect of the medical profession these days. Now there's a powerful, unique and safe laser you can use at home. Quantum Scalar Wave Lasers using Tesla technology allow the body to do what it does best, heal itself. Scalar Wave Lasers work down to the cellular level and can even reset cellular memory for outstanding outcomes. The quantum lasers use three different wavelengths in one laser for optimum results. It's government approved and safe for home use. For more information, visit Simpson Protocol slash lasers or click the banner on this show's webpage.
1: Hi, NS Simpson here. I get a lot of questions about the best way to learn hypnosis. My advice, after many years of being a hypnotist and training hypnotists, is get your first training live. Getting class with a qualified trainer. Practicing in class gives you so much confidence, and practicing is the key. I teach live hypnosis and advanced hypnosis training throughout the year, and you can check my website at InezSimpson.com and feel free to email me if you need recommendations.
4: The Voice America Live Events channel is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit voiceamerica.com forward slash live events
3: listening to hypnosis
0: everywhere the simpson protocol to reach the show today please call into 1-866-472-5792 that's 1-866-472-5792 you may also send an email to inez that's i n e s at InezSimpson.com. now back to this week's program
1: welcome back and this is the state the part of the uh, program where we give you tools and we talk about things but first I wanted to say that that was a great show and it really that served the purpose for Valentine's Day I just Mm -hmm. loved it and I really want to thank Dr. Frederick Mao again and before we go on I wanted to talk about a rule of the mind but I know that you want to do this little commercial first
5: no, I was going to do that. as a surprise. You're ruining well, surprise. it. Of course. Okay. No, it's supposed to be a no. setup.
1: Yeah, you anyway, set Anyway, let's up. do a little
5: break, we'll break into this program for a small commercial break on Inez Simpson. And as you're <laughs> doing, um, we're talking about, actually, it's to do with um, tools. Yes. You are doing an advanced self-hypnosis workshop here in, uh, in uh, Vancouver Island at the end of February. And what is advanced self-hypnosis? So we talk a lot about self-hypnosis, but this will be a two-day advanced
1: well, the advanced self hypnosis is doing Simpson protocol way of self hypnosis, and I teach you in the two days what to do with it, and then what kind of change you can implement with yourself. So it's about going into that first. Uh, what he talked about the relaxation uh-huh. factor is about a place. See, I consider that hypnosis is not really rebuilding relaxation as part of it, and it isn't really hypnosis because. Because I think hypnosis is ever—it's a byproduct. So, but we get you into a very relaxed state, and then we get you deeper into what we call the somnambulistic state. And the the only reason it's got a name is because that's—we know that's where you can do that regression that Frederick talked about that we do, and we work with pain easily on that level. We can uh, do—they can do operations with you, all that kind of stuff, and get less pain and all the other things. But then from there, we get as you as deep as we can go. And if we can get you to the Esdale level, which we talked about, was where the, bo- the body was in total, a sort of a euphoric state. And um, then we go to what we call a higher state. And, you know, these are all terms and it's all different for every, each person's different. But we take them to that. we show them how to utilize it and it allows self-change easily and quickly. And so we're all on the same page for that. But we can't advertise it too much because there aren't that many spots left, Martin. Well,
5: oh, that is that is true. But so, that was just a segue into a talking point.
3: Yes. <laughs> that's
5: what's called on radio, segue into talking point.
3: <laughs> but so if
5: self-hypnosis is good, advanced self-hypnosis is better. That's the takeaway well, from that's
1: this. That's the takeaway from that. But like, we are promoting self-hypnosis uh, on our website. We have a free self-hypnosis website that you already have hopefully been utilizing. Mm-hmm. And... The thing about that is when you know, it, this goes in, in line with that rule I wanted to talk about. Before is that rudely interrupted. When the dealing with the subconscious mind and its function, the greatest the conscious effort the less the subconscious response and what's just what we were talking about what we're frederick is about the emotion if you are just thinking about it you are not in the emotion so the more you do with your conscious mind the more you thinking you do the more trying you do the less subconscious response and the less change you get so when you're doing self-hypnosis and some people have a bit of an issue getting out of that Headspace and into that emotion part is that when you're doing it by yourself at home, it's a very safe place for you to be and allow yourself to do that. And you need to practice that that a little bit maybe.
5: And that's interesting because you will do like free self hypnosis afternoons just mm-hmm. to get people to in the, and into the mode of it and have an understanding. And they'll find it. Some will find it a little bit difficult because they're in a, you know, it's a group around them. There's, yeah. But at home. It's you. And if you don't want to do it that second, don't do it that second. You want to do it five minutes later? It's your choice. Yeah.
1: And, you know, going into self-hypnosis, and especially the kind of simple self-hypnosis that you do where you you give yourself um, affirmations Mm -hmm. to change Mm -hmm. your way of thinking and all that kind of stuff, and listen to tapes, is that it doesn't matter, because especially when you're listening to a tape, you tend to let yourself go deeper as you go. Mm -hmm. So even if you don't feel... Because everyone has this idea that they're going to feel much different, even if you don't feel much different. Just keep going and you'll start to see change happen.
5: And it's, trust me, from practice and from personal experience, it's easier than meditation to to hold. Because you don't have to hold a nothing in front of you or a white screen. You just, your mind will, um, as Erickson said, there is something inside you that knows. Your mind will start, you will just start to connect with that and just let go. Yeah. And the you're talking about the rule of the mind there, that that's true. What do they say? I say 30. You say 21, depends which books you're reading, days to yes. break a habit. You know, if you just, yeah. just like hold on to it, for, it takes you an instant to make a bad habit, but it takes 21 or 30 days, or pick a number of days to get rid of that habit. And that's debatable because you're just trying to use a conscious process. That
1: is a conscious process. So we can have instantaneous change. In self-hypnosis or hypnosis. or hypnosis, yeah, and any style of hypnosis,
5: any style of hypnosis, correct. And a couple of things again on tools: is if uh, and Inez is big on language, because or and so is Frederick, the stories we tell ourselves are so important. Mm-hmm. And if you want to have some layman-type books on that, there's a, the famous As a Man Thinketh, James Allen, I think, and uh. You can see that on the internet anywhere, of course, Amazon, but also I, I noticed there's some free PDFs you can get on that so you can actually read the book or you will certainly get samples. And there's another good book, uh, Power of the Subconscious Mind by Joseph Murphy. Well, it's, okay, it's an okay book, but the, some of the concepts are, are great in there and it's kind of a copy of James Allen, but the big thing that comes out of that is the law of the mind, that is how you your mind works, is a law of belief, not truth. You know that, so we're in the Western world. Always, what's the truth? What's the fact? What's the, what's the actual positive truth? But it doesn't matter because your your mind is working on belief.
1: Yes, and because well, what's what what's truth anyway? Your truth and my truth will always be different, you know. And and um, we that's why we say belief because we're working with the person's belief. We're working with them, not with what we consider our truth. Mm-hmm. Our truth is different than theirs. And there's no such thing as truth in my mind anyway
5: so it's a great world to be living in the hypnosis the the hypno trainer's world is as i said (laughs) they live in the world of belief and forgiveness and that's two great things
1: and we know we all say the same thing in in a slightly different way so all those books that are out there you find one that really talks to you that you feel because not what you just if you're just seeing it as words and you're just taking it in you're not having any change of even your perceptions or your thinking.
5: So have a great Valentine's Day, and take this, and you can listen to this because this will be a podcast. So you can listen to it. It's not Valentine's Day, and it will still work. This uh, <laughs> Fredericks, funnily enough. Yes. So yes. next week, in it. Is. Next, next week,
1: week we have what we call my sister on. She's not really, but uh, when we teach at conventions, people sometimes think we are sisters. And it's Beryl Komar. And uh, she is, was in the UAE for many, many years teaching in, and she now lives in Spain. But she's one of the best instructors that I know because she's very well grounded. I think she's done anything from she teaches NLP and she teaches My style hypnosis, she teaches everything. Well, when I teach her students, they always pick up everything easily because it's very good.
5: And I think that's a great endorsement of taking lots, not taking lots of courses, but being open to different courses because she's taken NLP from Richard Bandler. She's taken uh, Regression to Cause from um, Jerry Kine. Mm -hmm. And if if you walk into her office, there's no, she doesn't need a wall because she just has certificates from everything.
1: <laughs> well, and you know what? And that's another point. When you become a hypnotist, even like Beryl and I, we continue to take courses, we continue to change stuff, we continue all the time to learn. And that's why I'm glad to have her on next time. And you know, she is one of the most adventurous people I ever mm-hmm. met in my life. It's and lovely. I always, wanted want her to uh, write her story because she's, you know, I want to be her when I grow up.
5: It's probably not a country she hasn't been in. <laughs> and she took hypnosis to Africa, to ah, Dubai. She's done to, so, uh, so
1: much adventure anyway, stuff. Anyway. All exciting stuff coming up next week. And so we have just a few seconds. So uh, say something nice, Martin.
5: Kissy, kissy. Happy Valentine's Day, Happy everybody.
1: Valentine's Day, everybody. And we'll see you next week.
0: Thank you for being a part of the show today. Be sure to tune in next Wednesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel for another edition of Hypnosis Everywhere, the Simpson Protocol, with host Inez Simpson. We can't wait to have you join us again next week.